Hello. Hello. Is this Billy Jane DeVille? It is. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ritual Lovely Podcast. Today we're talking to Billy Jane DeVille, one of our latest special model edition cover models. Um, Billy has been in several issues of Retro Lovely over the past few years, actually quite a few. Um, and she has the distinction of actually having graced the cover of two of the holiday editions as well, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, two years running, maybe we'll see if uh, 2021 will we'll have a third. Who knows? Uh, we can, we can try. So, Billy, uh, welcome to the uh, podcast. And how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate you having me. This is all very exciting for me still. Uh, very good. I'll tell you, I am I'm super excited uh, to talk to you because in the last uh, several days, and this, this is interesting because I don't always get to see um, every post in the world that tags Retro Lovely because there's so many. It's They're, they're mm-hmm. gone in a flash. And I did happen to catch one. Um, you had made some posts showing some of the uh, copies of the issue that you got. And I say copies. I'm talking you got a carton. You had like I, – I tried to count. Was there was there at least 20 in that stack and that yeah. spread out? Um, okay. I think I think it was 20 in the, the one that you saw. Killer. Now – in that post, you also mentioned that this was your second order, your second batch. There was there was right. others before that. Yeah, um, fantastic. So I ordered as soon as it was online. I ordered a stack for myself and friends and stuff like that. And then people started. were just blowing right. up my phone about it. Good. I think overall, there's been uh, a little over thirty that I've sold and autographed, shipped. People come to pick up, and I have another order on the way with several of those promised. So I, I wasn't expecting all of that, but it's 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 really really awesome. You know, and I I, I it's not like I have a rolling total that I keep tabs on. Um, you know, from the other models that we've done this with uh, to see you know where they stand as far as it goes. Now I know I know uh, Miss Jennifer's. Um, she's a marketer, and she did a lot of well. You know, she did things before we even did her special edition. You know, I happened to notice that she was moving some product and that's kind of what led to it and uh like i said I, I i don't keep tabs on it when i when i speak to a model about these i literally tell them you know if it puts another you know a couple extra bucks in your pocket fantastic because honestly in the course of your modeling career how often do you get paid for your modeling i mean it's you know, for the, not as often as we're paying out. <laughs> exactly, and it's it's the sort of thing where you know, with that as the the background to this, this is a big important reason why we do it because they just don't exist and it doesn't happen, and we acknowledge that you guys really shoulder the bulk of the you know the burden of all this amazing imagery that we see online. So you know, um, and I, I well, before we got started, I promised you I wouldn't go on and on and on, but I'm going on and on and on, but. One of the things that was always important about Retro Lovely when we started it was to have it be a platform that people could uh, come to collectively and access, create a vehicle that had reach, had visibility, gained some name recognition, and had some things as part of it that people could take advantage of, you know, and, and hopefully do more than most publications do. So this is a great success story. When you tell me you've had, you know, you've gone through like 30 copies or so, I, is that is that fair to say it's the most you've ever made from your association with a publication? 
Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, there's been some times that I've had a few that I've gotten and sold, but never in this kind of quantity. And I've done just on my own, not with a publication, but I've done posters and calendars and they usually sell okay. But this is just kind of like rapid fire. (laughs) Well, you know, the, the benefit to it is this, like, you know, and I encourage every model uh, that does this to to do exactly what you just talked about. Get some photos printed, even if it's just prints or do posters. Have things that if they go to an event or if they work with you know businesses or even directly online, um, you know, uh, try to lobby your fans for some help. Um, you're not asking for a handout. You're you're asking for some support and a thing that they take advantage of and, and you know appreciate. It's not uh, it's not a dirty thing to do, and that's that's fantastic. And I think the thing that happens with something like the special model editions from Retro Lovely, it's not just you doing it. It's another entity. It's another you know uh, business saying, hey, this is really kind of special. This is something you should check out. So we're able to leverage mm-hmm. that again. That audience that's been built. So, um, I think I sent, uh, I think when I just, I just actually posted uh, a couple seconds ago that I was going to be talking to you and I referenced you as a superstar. And right now with okay. the kind of, with the kind of activity that you've had, you know, you definitely are, and it's the way to go about it. Now, as far as the actual sales are concerned, how much of them would you say, just like as a rough, you know, guess, um, how many are friends and family that you've already known and how many are like kind of new to experiencing your art? Hopefully well, there's some like new influx going on too. Oh yeah. And that, that was a surprising thing. Like I knew when I got that first little batch for myself and then a few other people, if they'd be interested, um, I was like, yeah, I know a handful of people that would definitely support me that anytime I put something out, I've got the standbys that I've always had that I really appreciate. You can count on, been there right. from the beginning. Excellent. But then there's just people coming out of left field, people I don't I don't even know who they are. I didn't even <laughs> think they were following me. And Excellent. it's 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 pretty cool. It's, it's neat hope, to see how far the reach is. I hope we've had a little bit to, something to do with that. Um as far as the things that you've shipped out so far, how far away have they gone? Where would you what's the the furthest distance the one's been sent away to? California has been the one the farthest that I've shipped. Good. Um I've got one in Ireland and two in Germany that oh. are wanting, and I'm just trying to find the best, you know, most affordable way because it's really expensive to ship overseas. Funny, <laughs> funny, funny story. In the old days of Retro Lovely, right, when I used to print thousands of each issue, each issue was running on average about 5,000. And back then, um, we actually did, we had a tremendous wholesale. Like, I mean, I used to be able to wholesale those 120 page masterpieces for like $4. And oh, wow. We, you know, I, I had models that were going to events and leveraging that. And we actually did a thing where um, this this comes to bear on something you just said about, you know, the first batch that you got, you only got so many. Um, we had instances in the past where we actually we actually did them on consignment as well. And the rationale was this. Uh, a good, for instance, was there was a model in California. and I, I'm not going to remember her name. <laughs> I know I'm not going to remember her name. But anyway, she was in one issue. And I think maybe she had like two pages in it. No, actually, maybe even just one. Because back then it was tough to get more than like a page because it was so like, you know, uh, coveted. Well, she's doing an event out there and she contacted us and said, listen, I understand you do consignment or you do, you know, you sell these. And she wanted to know what the wholesale was. And I told her. And then she came back and she said, okay, well, I want to buy this many. And, you know, she told me how many it was. And when she referenced the event, I think it was called Midnight Mass and... You know, when I noticed what she was doing as far as promoting herself, 
and the number that she she wanted to get, I said to her, so you're actually going to be at like somebody's booth with these for sale. I said, this doesn't feel like you're going to have enough. And she said, well, this is all I can afford. I said, well, guess what? What we do is we will ship you more on consignment. Um, you know, you say you want, uh, you know, 15 copies. I think you're going to need more than that. I'm going to send you at least 35, maybe even 60. And at first she was kind of like, wow, are you sure you want to do that? And what do we do for the ones that are unsold? So well, we can worry about that one when, when we come to that. And so what happens is I send her, you know, the, I think it was, I think it was two cartons and that was about 70 issues. I think there was about 35 in each carton at that point. And, uh, you know, so she has these 70 copies and she's, you know, she's got a fantastic wholesale. She doesn't have any of her money tied up. And the event, I forget when it started out there, but I'm on the East Coast. She's on the West Coast. Somewhere in the early afternoon, I got a text from her and she and I said, oh, hey, how's it going? And she says, they're all gone. <laughs> and I was like, all 70 are gone. And she's like, they're all gone. She says, people are asking me for more and I don't have any. I'm like, oh my God. You know, we totally, and that's the logic with what we did then as far as like with the consignment, it was easy for me having a big, you know, a big resource of, of lots of copies to say to somebody, all right, well, you can only afford so many. You only think you're going to need so many. Let me send you extra. And then if they don't sell, then we can, you know, you can, you can get them cheap if you, if you want to hold on to them or we can do something else with them or get them back to us um, without you having that risk. And that was one of the, the, the great things as far as having that um you know, the economy of scale, being able to do things like that. I, I miss those yeah. days. I mean, social media and print-on-demand services, even though we leverage it right now, they really have made it impossible to do that anymore. I mean, it's just one of those things. But when you said that about, you know, trying to get a feel on how many, you know, you got some for yourself initially, um, did, did you even have a clue that you would need, you know, 20, 30 more? I mean, that's... Oh, no, not not at all. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, then, that's excellent. And more after that. It's, right. And, um, and I've noticed there's not as many, I guess, I mean, I think there was maybe seven or eight of the ones before I got mine that people are just going to and ordering from the site. Right from the site, okay. um, I thought that would be more. I thought people would like better that they could just click and have it shipped, but... Just uh, being able to um, sign it because everyone wants it autographed. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just a really big, neat feeling. Exactly. And that's that's the thing where you guys have the advantage and the leverage. That's the thing that I, I've told everybody. Like, you know, don't underestimate selling them autographed and signed because it's more personal. Um, and it's interesting, too, you had referenced um, uh, Ireland and Germany. Back in the early days of Retro Lovely, when I was selling thousands of copies, we actually had a thing um, – I don't know if you've ever seen one of the old versions of Retro Lovely, the original series. Uh, the, the quality of the paper and the printing it was just noteworthy. Um, it had a tactile feel that was... A lot of people actually said, this is more like an art book, but it just doesn't have a hardcover. And they really were that kind of, you know, kind of experience. Most, most people, when you'd hand them one, they'd go, wow, right? So the thing of it was, back in those days, we only had them in a handful of specialty shops, maybe two, 300 shops across the globe. Um, which is like, that's nothing. Okay. It's still, yes, they're on newsstands at a bookstore someplace that appreciates them and isn't going to take them off the shelves at the end of the month. You know, something always that used to bother me with like a quality magazine, you know, has a shelf life. It'll last a month and that's it. So the thing that was interesting was to give people like a bit of confidence in buying it from us directly online. I used to have a money back guarantee, right? If you didn't like it, you can send it back to us. And another thing that I noticed was because they were so big, they 
we had a devil of a time shipping them. Um, it ended up being that we, we finally had to go with like, um, you know, priority mail. I noticed you were using those padded mailers. I think I saw padded mailers in your, in your stack and we moved into using like cardboard inserts to keep them protected because people appreciated them so much that when they got them, they were bummed out if like the corner was, you know, bent. So we really ramped up on, on how we packed and shipped them. Now, the reason I came to this and the real reason it's a long story is you mentioned Ireland and Germany. It got to be a point where international shipments, the number of them, the ratio that got destroyed was killing me. It got to the point where I suspended selling them abroad because, and I hate to say it, but like the worst countries were the ones that were uh, former uh, Commonwealth countries. So England, Ireland, uh, New Zealand, Australia, any, any, any country where the queen is on their currency terrible postal service uh you know really? they just they just like destroyed them i don't know if they like opened them to look at them or what but they were they were like you know i lost a lot of revenue with those i finally said enough is enough now to you one thing you might want to look into and it might sound strange but for international sales look into ebay okay because some time ago ebay had realized a similar situation with uh international commerce where there was a bit of a problem um trusting the mail services and I'm not sure if it's still in place, but I think with them, if you actually sell something and it has to go to England or Ireland or wherever, okay, when you actually sell it, you ship it to them in, I think, Kentucky, where their hub is, or Tennessee, rather, and, and they take care of it. They put it on one of their planes and take it overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be something to look into if you're curious about, A, cost-effective rates, because I think it does make it, um, the last time I did it, it seemed like it was actually a great solution. And if I was, you know, worried about it more, I would definitely look into it. But that's something to to check out, especially if you I don't want you want to lose do out on those, you know. Yeah, and um, the padded mailer thing. So I learned, I guess, kind of the hard way with um, shipping with like the calendars and posters and things that I've done. That it can be, you know, once it leaves your place, it's out of your hands how it's treated in the mail, and mm-hmm. sometimes they look like they've been completely run over with the truck (laughs) torn and if they get wet they're left on the porch and then someone gets a soggy calendar that's not (laughs) a good thing so i thought that'd be a good good way to protect it and um let it make it there but it does make it a little more expensive with the overseas shipping it's a little bit more than a flat mailer and well overseas it gets really expensive yeah right and i've done with my art i've i've shipped a lot internationally and so i was i was kind of familiar with the process i just uh for something like this where the shipping ends up being sometimes more than the cost of the product i want it to be worthwhile for them so i'll definitely look into that absolutely absolutely now let's get into some of your own personal history uh if i recall correctly actually i lie because i'm looking at your issue right now and i'm reading what it (laughs) says okay i'll just you know disclose that you were originally from uh, Georgia, Athens specifically. Yes. How, yes. how long um, had you lived there? What was the your tenure in Georgia? My whole life. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Up until, uh, let's see, I think it was 2017. Oh, I see, I didn't read South that. Carolina. It says it right there. A few years ago, you moved to <laughs> South Carolina. Okay. So you come from the land of the B-52s. Right. Right? How, down the Atlanta Highway. How, how awesome is Atlanta that? Atlanta Highway. <laughs> right. You know, here's here's a piece of trivia. Here's a piece of tie-in. In the early days of the magazine, I had found in the Catskills there is a uh, a motel, B and B. I don't know what you want to call it, um, called Kate's Lazy Meadow. Yeah, and it's this fabulous 
um, place where they've got these like kitschy cabins along the um, Catskill River in the Catskills. And these, it, the decorate, you know, the way they had them decorated was amazing. And they even had a field with like three or four Airstream trailers that you could go and like rent and stay for the weekend or the night. And it's Kate's Lazy Meadow because it's Kate from the B-52s, Kate Pearson. And nice. what was really interesting was when I first found the place, I was all hell-bent on going there to do photography, to do shoots. And I contacted them. I reached out. Now, I never spoke to Kate, but I, I spoke to her partner. And as we talked, um, you know, I discussed what it was that I was thinking about and what I was doing. And of course, you know, with a lot of places like that, they said, oh, yeah, well, photography is fine. But the day rate is $1,800, meaning they've got like, you know, production companies come in and they used the place to have like a 60s vibe. And you got to pay him for it. You can't just go there as a as a guest and do like a photo shoot with people, and and they're not, you know, they don't permit that. But in the in the conversations we had, um, of course, you know, uh, Monica that I spoke to, she was like, well, maybe we could do a photo shoot with Kate and put her on the cover. And back then it was like, I only do like four or five issues a year, and I don't know if I don't know if that would make sense. You know, so I really couldn't like just say, oh, yeah, let's let's do that. But what we actually ended up doing in the um, through the conversation was I sent her a bunch of samples of the publication, because like I said before, until somebody sees it and touches it, they never really understood. And she got them and she loved them. And I actually said to her, I said, well, tell you what, I said, I don't know if it'd be something you'd be interested in, but I can send you like every new issue. I could send you like, you know, two dozen copies for your suites to put them in the book racks. And she's like, oh, my God, great. So. I think for those first three years, um, just about every issue that there was, they got a box sent, uh, and those magazines were hanging out in that in that resort, which I always thought That's was kind of awesome. cool. But it's on, yeah. You know, I saw Athens, and I totally had to think, oh, my God, Kate. <laughs> so from there, you've now gone, and you're in South Carolina, and you're mm -hmm. a full-time artist and pinstriper now. What's the difference between the two? I understand the pinstriping side of things and what that all entails. What sort of art do you do apart from pinstriping? Well, I started out just, you know, just pencil drawings, um, pinup girls. I was very young, um, and like elementary school young. And my mom is an artist and she was always drawing, you know, kind of sexy ladies. And I was fascinated by that. She had a lot of books, a lot of Olivia cheesecake books uh, and things like that. I've got a library um, of hers. Yeah. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Boris Vallejo and Louis Royo and all of those just super fantasy, you know, mm -hmm. beautiful lady figures. So I'd sneak in the corner and grab a book. And I, just, I thought I was going to get in trouble because there's these, you know, nudie ladies in there. <laughs> and I just wanted to draw it. I just was fascinated by that. And then uh, when she, my mom discovered what I was doing and she actually encouraged it and it was not the reaction I expected, Excellent. but Excellent. she's been one of my just biggest supporters my whole life, always encouraging me to be artistic, be creative, do what makes you happy. And if you love it, it doesn't matter if anyone else does, but thankfully a lot of people do love it. And I just kind of progressed from that into just I, I don't get into as much like full-on paintings I do kind of a mix now um between the pinstriping and the pinup um art so just kind of a variety of things and it seems like there's a there's a flow of I'll be 
you know, I'll do like a hundred of one type of thing for a few months and then that just stops. And then the new thing comes out and I'm doing this and I never can really predict what it's going to be. <laughs> if it's going to be, you know, pinup girls on mugs or <laughs> stripe panels or just all classic cars coming in the shop. I, so it's, I it's totally really understand fun. that. Totally understand that. And actually, you just said something there that sort of leads me into what I was just thinking next. Your move to South Carolina um, has found you working alongside a, a, a restoration uh, professional. Um, you actually work full time at a shop now, uh, car restorations. Is that correct? Right. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. What uh, describe? Talk about the shop a bit. What all? What all did you guys do there? Is it like a full, uh, you know, strip it off the frame restoration type thing, or what level yeah. uh, did you get into? Excellent. Excellent. He does kind of uh, a little bit of everything. Um, he does full like frame offs or just kind of little simple things that somebody needs a, a repair on on classics. It's not you know right. just any like, right. dealership kind of thing, but um, paint and body and just a little bit of everything, bringing them back. Uh, not so much um, like hot rod custom chops and all of that we, we love that but that's not the focus it's mainly you know original bringing back the original beauty what it would have looked like when it rolled off the showroom floor kind of thing oh so. killer so some serious attention to detail with that because you have to in a lot of cases i guess you have to like figure out what original was there's a lot of research yeah. involved with that and finding parts can be a little <laughs> tricky uh <laughs> and, and getting to be more and more impossible yeah yes I know my my one brother looks at uh, used cars all the time, and he's always like, "God, they're getting so expensive." I'm like, "Well, yeah, because they don't make them anymore." You know, right. there's there's a limited supply, and the parts are getting fewer and far between. So even as a parts car, these things have become very valuable. Exactly, and trends that you know suddenly pop up because of a movie or a TV show or <laughs> something someone sees. Now everyone has to have that one particular thing that no one's ever cared about before. Right. So now that thing is the the hot item and runs into basically extinction almost. <laughs> so the thing to do is if you were if you had some money, it would be find a particular type of car and and buy up as many of them as you possibly could and then get <laughs> one of them in a in a in a movie. Or get them yeah. like you know get get it get it to happen like in something with popular culture because then everybody else is going to want that thing yeah right and you've got it well you know that's actually occurred with um what they call what are they there was a name for it something tourism where anytime a movie is made and let's say it resonates with people and there's like a distinct location a lot of times those locations get overrun with tourists who who want to go to where the thing was filmed or set and it's yeah. uh. It's it's caused some places to have um, you know a uh, bit of a, like a, a renaissance with uh, with tourism. Like honest to God, from where I live, about ten miles away, is a little town in Pennsylvania called Centralia. And back in the late '60s, I guess, um, a nearby coal mine that was under the ground caught fire. So the town always had like areas of it you could go through in the dead of winter and see steam coming up out of the ground. Um, and I even remember sometimes driving by and you, you could look off certain sections of the highway that went through the place and see like glowing rocks. I mean, it was like really crazy. So interestingly enough, the town, you know, has this issue. The state moves everybody out. It's desolate. The buildings are all gone except for a few. And there's like a church or two left over. And uh, then like in a few years, this video game called Silent Hill comes out and not so much the, the video game, but when they, when they turned it into a motion picture... 
the guy that did the screenplay decided to change the setting a bit to be this this town that had an underground mine fire. And it was loosely mm-hmm. based on his his recollections of what he learned from Centralia. And what was interesting was after that all sort of like got out into popular culture, we started to have a situation near that town where people would come from out of state. Like you, you go through there on the weekend and there's cars lined up all along the roads, which with people just you know, walking on the desolated uh, piece of abandoned highway that was there. And it was yeah. all because of that video game and then the movie, you know. So so you guys, you know, to do, start doing an inventory and find out what kind of car can be purchased <laughs> in quantities that's cheap enough. And then we'll try and figure out some kind of way to make it, like, popular in culture. We'll do something Let's like do that. It. Be better than, like, you know, <laughs> hey, look at GameStop, right? I mean, we could totally, like, try and, you know, invest money in that stuff and make it happen. Make it happen. Now, for your pinup life, all right, so you obviously, from an early age, had been exposed to pinup art. Um, wh- when, wh- what what became the first, you know, motivation to actually start doing pinup modeling yourself? Was that pretty much something that, like, has been germinating, like, you know, from the from the point you were 13 and, and you finally got to do it? Or when was when did the big shift occur? Yeah, it was something that I... I was always very interested in. Um, I just didn't know, didn't know how to make it happen. I didn't know, you know, what do you, what do you do? How do you do that? And it wasn't uh, when I was growing up and in middle and high school, nobody was into it in my area, at least. Um, it was something that I kind of got made fun of a little uh. bit because I was always interested in the old music and, you know, like those grandma cars and that weird old style and, so it kind of discouraged me from wanting to look the way I wanted to look and, you know, just try to go with the flow and not draw attention to myself. I understand. Um, that. I get that. And then uh, I actually, it was kind of in the, I started working car shows with my pinstriping and I was just, just really into that all the time, every weekend, all weekend and traveling for shows and events and stuff. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but I started noticing that, you know, it, it was now the thing it's trendy and everybody's a pinup. Everybody's, you know, rockabilly guy, a greaser. And so it's like a it, car. It it's like a car that was just in a movie. Yeah. Right. Just like that. Yep. now the thing that I've always loved is the thing everyone loves. So it kind of enabled me to dig into it and see what it takes to do what I want to do. And, you know, now there's a lot of, places to get clothes and a lot of people to teach you to do your hair and stuff like that so it's that and then um so i was actually in a magazine in 2019 um and i that was my first cover and it was for my pinstriping but we did kind of like a pinup shoot with me actually pinstriping a car so that was the a fun part where a lot of times you just do the pose thing there's a girl with turning a wrench on a hubcap you know (laughs) something that doesn't make sense so (laughs) i wanted it to be this is what i'm doing i'm you know i'm pinstriping this car and this is the way i look while i'm doing it which is killer killer for the most part my work wardrobe because it's really easy to get around in a dress a whole lot better big flowy skirt moves around a lot better than tight constricting jeans <laughs> so, I, I wore dresses here at the studio when i'm working on the magazines yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> i figured you did <laughs> but um so we did that and I, and I got the cover of that magazine and i was like you know what this this is this feels good this feels right i need to see what to do to make this happen more often so um 
I've I've just just from being around girls that are into it asked about the whole thing and and then John that I work with here at the shop and uh, he's he's really been probably one of the the biggest reasons that I'm able to pursue everything that I want to do because he's like yeah we'll do that we'll make that happen let's let's look into it let's find out how that works and and let's do it and and that's that's what I needed and really appreciate um so we started looking into how do you get into retro lovely magazine so yours was the first that i ever actually submitted to and um for just pinup so it was very very exciting when it was accepted and after that i was just like you know these these people are awesome really good to work with i've been you know for years reading or not reading but looking at the magazines looking at the girls and just i just never thought that you could make it happen and so it's it's been yeah, really good. I'll tell you that's I think that's one of the things I love about pinup the most is because okay so I've had a photo studio doing it even even when in between when we were on hiatus like you figure from about 2014 until 2018 nothing was going yeah. on. I mean I literally walked away from it for a couple of years because I got frustrated with the business. I got frustrated with what it be, had become. Okay, and you, literally from going to being able to print 5,000 copies and give everybody in it a free copy at least, and then have the wholesale and do all those things that we did and have it like pulled away from you. It's very depressing. Okay. Because when I first started it, you figure back in like 2010, all right. That was a point in time where if you had like work in a publication, they, they paid you. All right. And you know, we came into it right at the end of that. Like, like we couldn't do that and we felt bad about it. And it was a situation where we're like, oh, well, all right, well, what else could we do to really make this, you know, better than just, because honest to God, the, the print on demand world had just started. I think I had actually picked up and purchased myself a couple of pinup magazines through, you know, some print on demand services. And the, the quality wasn't the same as what I had with mine and they were expensive and, uh, the problem with a lot of them is that, you know, anybody that has a computer and a program can put something together and, and get the thing out there. And sometimes they look like it. All right. And it got depressing. And I literally had to walk away for a while. And, um, you know, then I came back with like a different perspective. You know, some people talked to me and made me think about things and, you know, literally tried it a different way. But all along that path, since it's almost coming up on three years now since we relaunched, the underlying thing has always been to grow it to a point where we can do something more with it, do something more than most people ever get to do. And we're at the cusp of, of I think, doing that. These these special editions are that. I mean, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, I think we have four four that are complete now. There's some more people that I'm talking to about them, um, and it's literally, you know, for the for the listening audience, um, when we put this together for Billy. She didn't pay us a, a nickel. There wasn't a penny exchanged for the work that we did to put it together and promote it for her. But it's a result of the cooperation and the work and the the support that we've seen from Billy for the last three years as well. Okay, it's you know finally that point where we can start to do some things like this to to give back, and I'm very excited about that. And it's always been part of the DNA of what the magazine's about, and. I'm really excited right now too because um, you now you have I think you were in the you were one of the first people to use the new submission portal, 
Am I correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because uh, there, there was an email exchange in there somewhere, something, because I think you probably even were so early on in it that there was still some bugs to work out or, you know, some things that needed to be coaxed. I mean, it's being finessed every day. Um, we're learning new things. In fact, I think probably like in another year, I'll probably come back and do like a complete overhaul on it based on things that I've learned. Because the, the reality of it is that for people that uh, uh, produce magazines, 95% of them are probably, it's, it's like a side, side job. It's a side hustle. And yeah. as a result, it's not their primary focus. It doesn't get the primary attention that it, that it might need to or would be best. So I've been doing this full-time since late last year. And one of the biggest things was how to get your hands around the sheer volume of data and files that, that, that come in. Um, it's a staggering number. If most people saw the volume of, of submissions and emails and things that go with this, they would just walk away and say, that's nuts. You're nuts. You're nuts for doing this. And the new submission system has been absolutely phenomenal as far as retrieving time back getting time back into being able to do other things like this, okay? I would not have the time to do this with models um, if it was like it used to be. So I'm really excited for the future because of those gains that have been made with that, with that system. So hopefully there's, you know, there's, there's more to come and hopefully, um, you know, other people like yourself can take advantage of, of what's being built. I mean, you've contributed to help make it happen and I'm, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your support. Um, makes, you. makes a big, it makes a big difference. It lets, it lets this happen. And in a way, even though it wasn't really like put on a piece of paper to say like, well, if you help us, it's going to pay it forward. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what has happened. All right. I, I, I hate to like, I don't want to like market to future ideas to say, well, if we do this now, because it just doesn't work. People don't understand. Like when I first started the magazine, I actually talked to a lot of photographers and said, you know, if we do this together, we could do a hell of a lot more than any one of us could do by ourselves. And this is what it would take, take, you know, some time, some promotion, some, some content and some money. And everybody was like, yeah, that's awesome. Except for the money part. So, <laughs> you know, I, I believed it enough that I did that and it still, it still produced a, a vehicle that we're able to, you know, take advantage of. And again, you know, social media kind of like deflated that after a few years, but it is what it is. I mean, in the same breath, social media has opened up things in another way entirely. It's just a matter of like trying to figure out how to like fit into the new landscape. Um, mm -hmm. And on that topic, speaking of social media, with your great success, I mean, I've seen some of your posts. Um, where, where do you mostly market to? Is it, is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? I don't know if you, if you do Twitter. Um, I don't, uh, I don't do Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand Twitter. I'll be honest. I, I don't, I'm, I feel like ancient when I say that. I, I do I too. I don't, I feel, I feel like an old timer saying like, I don't get it. Like, well, yeah. one, I can't be succinct. 26 words or whatever that is. This, what is that? Right. <laughs> Anybody listening to me right now would understand why I don't understand Twitter. Yeah, everything I say, the story has a backstory to the story to right. the story. So Twitter right. doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. But yeah, it's it's um I mainly just do Facebook and Instagram, and I have uh, way more that I'm uh, more accounts than anyone should have, <laughs> I guess. But um, You're I like have, I carpet bombing. You're carpet bombing social media, I guess. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Awesome. But I I have like one for my one for my pinstriping and then for modeling. And then I have one where I just try to promote everyone else and my friends and what they're doing. So it gets kind of complicated, but um, 
it's it's kind of split. I feel like there's two different audiences. Um, my Instagram following, they're really great. And then I have Facebook. It's different people. A lot it of people is, that are yes. not on Instagram. So right. even more old old older timey people. Even older. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. I, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I don't I I forget about Instagram or uh, Facebook. Uh, there's sometimes where, because anything that I post on Facebook is just because it trickles down from Instagram. And yeah. there's there are some days where I want to make a post on Instagram to basically say, hey, if you're seeing this on Facebook, we're really sorry. Um, <laughs> we don't really water the garden over there. You're just getting table scraps from this other thing. Um, right. And a lot of things that we talk about probably don't make any sense because it's different on those different platforms, like all the tagging and things. It just, you know, I'm sure it's confusing for some people. But, you know, I look at it this way. The way Facebook has gotten... Um, I don't mind confusing tens of thousands of Middle Eastern guys or Southeast Asian people <laughs> uh, what's going on because that's all that's there anymore for us. If I look yeah. at the the data and the statistics, um, you know they've they've dramatically changed your reach on those platform on that platform. So uh, yeah, I don't care about it. And I'm 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 pa- I'm paranoid and panicking about the day that they mess up Instagram as well. Like when they when they mess it up and they will how are we going to connect with our audience? What's going to be the next thing that we can collectively do? I mean, honestly, God, if, if I could convince somebody with like deep pockets, I would tell them build another platform, make it similar to these, but um, make it free, but then also have like maybe some subscription levels. Like I, I, I honestly would pay Instagram money annually just for the opportunity on the rare occasion. I need to speak to a human being and say, what the hell are you guys doing that I can do that? Or, I would pay them to talk to a human being, you know, I could, I could talk to Zuckerberg and show him how he can make a whole lot more money if we built in a subscription plan on that platform for service for the people that are driving the volume of eyes to his goddamn ads. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Ugh, and then the, the algorithms everyone complains about because it it's, you know, you've got thousands of people that you follow, thousands of people that follow you, and then you see like 20 all day, every day, and your reach is not getting where it used to right. go. And you have to remember like, oh, I haven't heard from this person in so long. Right. And look them up right. and see right. this whole, you know, months of content you've missed because of the algorithm. And you can't tell me that they don't manipulate that because, I mean, on Facebook, they, they, got, they got caught um, a couple of years ago when they finally put like video stuff on Facebook, they were pushing that. They were pushing that. I would get emails as a, as a business. Like, you know, if you do this with video, if you'd like, they were doing everything they could to get us to do more work on their platform with video. And months and months later, the reality comes out. Really what they were trying to do is they were trying to keep people from leaving Facebook to go over and look at the ads on YouTube. They Mm -hmm. wanted to get, they wanted to keep, people on Facebook and they realized the single biggest door that's open that will cause people to leave our platform is video. And they lied. They lied about the effectiveness. They were misleading with their data, what they told you to try and get you to do the work to create a video enclave in Facebook land. And without an audit, without like a third party in there looking at the things, I don't trust anything that they do. It's just, it's, it's impossible to do. Now, Apart from bashing social media, even though, <laughs> even though we leverage it, um, in the special edition, it is uh, true that every single image in your special edition was done by yourself and uh, John. Um, you guys yes. have effectively embarked on a, on a photographic venture now as well. Tell me a bit about mm-hmm. that. 
Well, um, you know, we've worked with several photographers and some have been great, some have been not so great, but it's all an experience. And I'm I'm very, very thankful for everyone that I've shot with and good or bad. You know, it's led me to a certain area. Each each shoot has gotten me somewhere that I want to be or uh, taught me a lesson that I didn't know I needed to learn. But um, it just, you know, there's it's so so much money to constantly do photo shoots and oh, paying sure. for hair and makeup yeah. which i i completely uh, am all for paying someone for their time i understand why it costs so much um because they're making a living just people might say my rates are expensive and i understand it sure. you know but just it does it does add up when you want to do something and having to work with someone else's schedule and right just things exactly. like that um so we just started thinking you know we were already doing for i'd say probably 80 to 90 percent of my shoots uh we were already doing all the setup for you know we providing the cars and the location and the lighting and all of that and so we thought you know why not just move into that next step and just do everything in-house if we can and still branch out here and there just just for fun but not out of necessity you know if there's something we've got a deadline we know we can crank it out and you know we're still learning we're not trying to (laughs) You know, now we're photographers too. It's it's just well, something good. that that's that's a refreshing to, uh, that's a refreshing uh, perspective and uh, yeah. position. And tell tell John for me, please, the images that we use. Well, the set that produced the cover image that we have on the on the special edition. Um, I instantly saw some very creative lighting going on in the background. Um, yeah. When I looked at the car, uh, I saw lots of different color light hitting that thing that was also not hitting you i thought all right yeah that's that's pretty that's pretty slick i don't know how long he's been doing it but um i did notice that i thought this is good this is really good well he's been i know he'll he'll very much appreciate that (laughs) he's he's got an eye for it you know i'm just like i'll show up tell me where to stand i'll do whatever and we'll see what happens (laughs) but he he'll spend you know hours setting up the perfect, you know, the lighting and this is the color that I, I like them. I like them already. I love it. <laughs> I get kind of uh, obsessive myself. Like I was actually shooting somebody once. Um, I don't know if it was on location or I think it was on location. And for the particular thing that I was doing, I had very specific lighting and I'm working with the model. I said, just can, can you give me five minutes? I want to set up another light. And she's like, sure. And I, you know, got my stuff and I set up another stand and put a light on it and did my thing. And when I got done getting ready and I did my test shots, I'm like, okay, cool. And she said, you just set that light up to aim it at the wall. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Because in the scheme of things, in the setting, that there's an area here that's got this great clock or something, and it was just too dark. I needed it to be brighter. And, you know, that's the sort of thing. And that's often with the publication, in the handful of times when I speak to somebody uh, directly, like we're talking right now. Um, There's a lot of times when an artist will look at an image that they've taken and they'll think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But there's things that they will not notice. There's things that they will gloss over because in the case of models, let's say, um, a lot of times with models, they're, they're, they're most focused on how good they look. How is my chin? How's my pose? Uh, they might get a little obsessed, obsessive about their um, wardrobe. You know, is it is it perfectly lined up? I can't tell you how many times I ever heard a woman who looked at a photo of herself 
cry, oh my God, back fat. And it's like, no, that's you. That's your skin. In order to bend over, there has to be extra skin back there so you can bend over. It's Everybody has this. It's not back fat. But <laughs> what they don't pay attention to is things in the image, um, things that are responsible by the photographer. You know, conversely, if a photographer is looking at a set of images, I'll see them gravitate toward images that maybe the entirety looks best. Maybe they, they're paying attention to other things in the photo other than the model. So you've got this like sort of like two factions that one's more concerned about one thing and the other person's more concerned about their thing. And in the middle, sometimes um, they may look at an image like a, a model may, may find a photo and just think, oh my God, this is amazing. This is going to be a cover. But then I look at it and say, well, yeah, you look fantastic, but... And then I'll have like a laundry list of things that kind of like have it be like not quite as good as it could have been if those attention, you know, those, those points were, were taken care of. So the fact that the two of you are like working together and you're on each side of that is, is good. I think, uh, you know, now right there, have you uh, collectively, have you guys, how many, how many other people have you photographed? Has it just been you working together, you two, or is there going to yeah, be like some other it's models? Just us. Okay. Is that um, something that might come? Is that something that's on the books or? It's not really something we have in mind because we're not like, like I said, it's not like we want to be photographers. It's um, we do have like a couple friends <laughs> that are coming in a couple weeks for some photo shoots with just us together, just like right. a fun thing and right. see how that goes um, and to test some new equipment we've got and just put into play some things that we've learned. And it's like, it's exactly like what you described. Um, he's got the eye for the the whole thing, the whole picture, the whole image. We'll, we'll be looking at him later. I'm like, Oh yeah, I look great in that one. But you know, it's completely the backs washed out and like what you, <laughs> you, yes. you showed us in some, so now we've been digging into more, you know, fill lighting. Oh, so and you took some notes. You took, you took some this? notes from what I said. Okay, cool. Excellent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Excellent. I definitely appreciate the feedback because like i said we're we're figuring this out and um already learned a lot and it's it's a lot of fun and you know just trying to look at it as a whole image and not just what do i look like there i don't like that face i'm making but the picture looks great or it's, what about it made that picture good and you know what and that's one of the reasons i'm i'm glad that we reinstated the cat club series because it it had it had gotten to the point where there's so much content coming in and some of it is those photos where the girl looks amazing. She looks fantastic. But there's something else about the photo that, that you know, sorry, it, it kind of like blew it. And mm. how, do you, how do you reconcile that? Um, I, I constantly get feedback and, and hear uh, people that feel that, I mean, everybody has their idea about what their favorite publication should be. It should be just amazing images and everything in it should be better than, than my images and, and anything below it is, is it's a sellout. And sometimes there are some really fun images where the model looks fantastic, but from a perspective of like an art critic, it wouldn't, it wouldn't cut the mustard. So right. um, what, we've, what we've been doing is transitioning so that um, we basically have different publications that, that accommodate each each you know, thought process and cat club is anything can happen there. I mean, I've seen some absolutely jaw dropping, amazing things submitted to that series. And then sometimes it is the, the image where it's the model and she looks fantastic, but they cut her feet off at their, her ankles and it's weird or her dress is really wrinkled. Right. Yeah. It happens. And that's a place where that can happen. 
And with on the Retro Lovely side, you know, we've gone back to just one cover for those. And I've gone back to being a much more the art critic and a bit, a bit more critical as far as, yeah, it's, it's close, but this, this, and this kind of falls short. And really now within the entirety of the various publications, um, there's, there's, there's a place for everything. There's, there's, there's a place that everything can exist and, um, you know, be appropriate and be appreciated. And so now with, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. That's terrible. Oh, <laughs> your future. What are your future plans? What's next? Oh, well, do, you actually, do you actually have an agenda or you just like roll with it every day? Um, well, it's been normally I, I plan everything out. I have to, you know, make sure I know where, where I'm going to be this, this week and this month and what's, what I'm going to do for the whole year, plan all my shows. Um, and then I kind of got out of that when sure. COVID yes. hit and nothing was going on. So it was kind of hard to plan and schedule and um I'm, I'm excited yeah. oh yeah <laughs> more than kind of hard yeah um but now you know things are opening back up and shows are back on and car shows are everywhere everybody's dying to get out and like I don't, i'm very excited about that so we're we're I, trying to get back into shows and, i almost think the country's going to experience like how they have carnival in brazil i think i think yeah. for like for a couple of months the the country's going to be like just people going wild like oh, i gotta right. do this i gotta do that i gotta do this um, and you know, it's understandable. I get it. As long as, you know, there's some, there's some caution put in place and just carefulness. Um, oh, yeah. uh, of course we don't want to like, you know, slip backwards. We did a lot of hard work. You know, there's, there's been a lot that's been done to, to get back to this point. We don't want to just drop the ball. So. Yeah. And hopefully people will, you know, acknowledge that and appreciate that. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're getting back to normal because of what, what we've we did. done to, there's be been cautious. a serious heavy investment made. Yes. Right. Lots of people's lives have been impacted negatively. And just like the, uh, the economy in 2008, there's going to be repercussions. And I hope, um, I'm hopeful that the big debt that we just incurred as a, as a, well, the world population just incurred a giant debt that, uh, we're able to recover from it without having any kind of complications. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good recipe for a storm that, yeah something's going to work out eventually that it's going to have its, it's, you know, the bill's going to come due. So let's hope it's as minimized as possible. Um, now I have one other thing I want to talk about. Where again is your shop located? What, what town actually? Um, it's Iva. It's a very small town. Um, it's outside of Anderson, which is outside of Greenville. Get, get bigger and bigger until someone recognizes the name. Ah, oh, yes. That's, no, wait, that's let me, I'm looking, <laughs> so. I'm looking at a map right now. What was the town again? Iva, that's I-V-A. Okay, let me see if I can find it quick. You know what? And we were. There's a search bar on here. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about technology and old timers. Another thing that um, we were at a shop in Anderson, and then let's see, it it was right. I guess it was about probably in March of 2020, and the midst or well not the midst i guess the beginning of the pandemic and everyone losing their minds we just kind of moved to the shop from our in town deal mm. and so it's it's yeah, but, something yeah, that was kind of like a nerve-wracking but yeah <laughs> but now we've just remained here we moved completely and it's been even better than before and, and it was another thing that we were kind of nervous about you know taking something that's 
we're trying to establish in one place and then uprooting and coming home and is it going to work? Is right. it not? And that's what everyone's fear was, sure. you know, working from sure. home or yes. not being able to work at all. It was a great experiment. I mean, it was unprecedented. Never on that scale had that many people tried to shift how they, how they functioned. Yeah. And I think we're making it, I think we're making it work. I think everyone's learning, <laughs> learning what they are capable of, maybe right. finding things you didn't, didn't realize before. And, Right, exactly so right. We're going for it and kind of flourishing here, and it, it's it's been really great. Um, it's a nice. It's just things are really coming together. Hearing the hearing the positivity years. is is nice. That's that's a, yeah. that's a good thing, and it's its own reward too. I think uh, it begets even more. So, congrats on that, and good for that. Um, I actually asked where the the shop was because. Now, you're aware of the fact that um, very soon I'm embarking on a cross-country trip with a primary focus being traveling as much of Route 66 as it makes sense to do. And uh, I think we're sending you a postcard, as a matter of fact, um, somewhere on there. And I'm, what I'm going to do is, since the front is a map, I'm going to put a little, like a dot or a star as to where the postcard was sent from. I mean, the post the postmark will be on it too, but I'm going to like put a little mark on the front of it where it was sent from. Um, the reason I asked about where the shop is because um, my travel companion is actually in Orlando, and I'll be driving down to pick them up and begin this 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 odyssey. And oh, okay. uh, as I'm along the way, I was going to like, you know, see where I could like, I actually had been thinking, I don't, I'm not going to drive it all in one day. And I think I might try and stop like, um, looks like I'm going to be more on the coast. I'm, I'm thinking maybe like Savannah or something, but on the return trip, I have to drop them off. And if anything takes me by anywhere that's near your place, I'm going to let you know and see if I can get a tour. Yeah, Would definitely. We'd love to have you come check awesome. out the, we call it the Hill of Dreams. The Hill of Dreams? <laughs> Excellent. So, okay, you say the Hill of Dreams. Now, some of the cars that I saw in the publication, um, are some of those on the physical property, like outside? Is that what I'm gathering? Yeah. They're everything, killer. Everything is here. Um, the the glitzy dress Cadillac shoot, we did that downtown Anderson. Yeah, I figured But everything much. else yeah. has been here. Cool, um, very cool. And we've, we've got a, a field full of cars just waiting <laughs> waiting their turn i love that though i love that though. you know it's it's like the stupidest thing i remember once i was maybe like let me think my father had passed away and i was how old was i 13 no like 15 um my mother and i got on a train and went from uh, pennsylvania down to alabama to birmingham where my aunt and her husband picked us up my uncle don and I remember, like, I still have this flashback. Somewhere somewhere between uh, Birmingham and Montgomery, where they lived, we're just driving along, and we're, like, on a... Not on a major highway. We're, like, on a secondary road. And we're at an intersection. And just off the side, it's all flat and has that southern... The southern look, which, you know... <laughs> I'm telling you the southern look. Well, if you live, if you lived where I lived, it's, it's very hilly, and, uh, you know, the, there's very little flat areas. And... We don't have red clay like you guys have down there. So we're at this intersection and I glance off the side and there was like, there had to be like six Cadillacs in a row and they were from the fifties and sixties. And they had that, that look of, you know, the finishes had patinaed. They're, they're dull. They look like they're just dying to be restored and they looked amazing. It was, mm -hmm. it was like a classic, it was just like a classic vision. Like I could just imagine somebody painting it with like a, you know, Marilyn Monroe standing by them and Elvis Presley, like one of those deals. And mm -hmm. it's amazing to me how like, it just like pops back into my head. 
Like, I don't know, I don't know what it was about that memory that it recurs so often. And when I saw the, the vehicles in your field, I totally had a flashback to that. Like it hit me again, like a flood, it totally like resonated. I was like, yes, there they are. Well, there's something about a Cadillac, you know, that's going to stick in there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Totally, totally hear that. Well, listen, this has been fantastic. Um, I'm extremely uh, grateful, um, uh, proud of what you've done with this already. Um, you, you absolutely have knocked it out of the park as far as doing those things that I try to suggest to the models as far as, you know, you have, you have, you have history doing it yourself. So this was like a good, perfect <laughs> storm to make it work really well. Um, and hopefully as we move down the road to more of these, some other models come back to these podcasts and listen and can get some ideas and get some inspiration and get motivated. And together we can do a lot more than we can just, you know, as individuals. Um, that said, um, why don't you tell everybody how they can reach out to you to get their own signed copy? Cause that's cooler than just one off offline. Um, and how to follow you. Let's, let's have all your promotional marketing stuff right now. Okay. Um, so Facebook, um, let's see, um, just, I'm just Billy's pinstriping on Facebook for my art and all of that. And I think I might have a link on there to get the magazine or I'm just Billy Jane DeVille on Facebook. Um, Instagram, it's rockin' Billy for my art and pinstriping. <laughs> I like that wind up rockin' Billy. Not just, rockin not Billy. just rockin' Billy, <laughs> rockin' Billy. Excellent. Well, no, it's rockin'. Yeah. That's that, that's that twang. Rockin' delivery. Out, so. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> and then I'm Billy Squeeze, uh, also on Instagram. And that's more of the cars and modeling and all of that. And I believe I have, uh, a link in the bio for where you can just Perfect. order it if Perfect. you are not concerned about an autograph or just send me a message. Killer, killer dude. Listen, this has been fantastic. And you know, earlier when we got on the line, I was talking a little bit and I said, I wonder how long it's going to last. We've been on the phone for an hour. How about that? Oh, wow. I didn't even. <laughs> didn't like even almost notice. exactly. I think I called you at like 201. It's now three o'clock. Yeah, you yeah. are dead on. I have, a, I have a timer set up on the on the program here and it's it's like this big giant, <laughs> like, like, like I'm in a professional studio. It just makes me feel good. <laughs> so, well, listen, nice. thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. And hopefully we'll thank talk you. soon again. I hope so. Thank you, you so day. much. And thank you for the opportunity again. It's, it's, it really means a lot. Killer. Hey, we can do it together. All right. Listen, you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks so much.